This is episode number four of the Polyglot Developer Podcast, and I'm your host, Nick Raboy. We have another great podcast episode today. This time, we're going to be focusing on different types of practices or approaches used for mobile application development or just development in general. So when I'm out and about, I hear a lot of phrases and jargon around first development. So for example, mobile first, offline first, whatever kind of first development is out there. It's just a lot of jargon. And my goal today is to help clear it up on what everything is. I'm actually joined by a special guest speaker today, my friend and colleague, William Hong, um, who does a lot of mobile application development. So I figured he'd be the best person to bring on the show uh, for the job. Before getting into the core material of the show, I actually want to share an important update. So previously, I know a lot of you guys follow my blog and the material that I produce. Uh, Formerly, it was known as uh, Nick Raboy's Code Blog or also blog.nraboy.com. For now on, going forward, I've actually rebranded my blog. Uh, It's now called The Polyglot Developer, and it can be found at thepolyglotdeveloper.com. And now it more closely relates to this podcast, both being called The Polyglot Developer. With that said, enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. I'm with my good friend, William Hong, uh, who is a mobile developer. He develops Android, iOS, and I believe even a few Windows Phone applications. But the importance of this podcast today is that we're going to discuss all of this first uh, jargon. So when I'm out at at conferences and events and whatever it may be, I hear a lot of people talking about, say, for example, mobile first, offline first, API first, so many so many different first phrases. Uh, So it it comes down to, well, well, what does all of this mean? Uh, But before we jump into what all of this might mean and how it, how it might benefit your lives. I want to go ahead and give William the chance to give a little background on what he's all about, what he does uh, in his free time. Oh, cool. Thanks, Nick. Uh, welcome, everyone, and pleasure to, to be here, my first podcast. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've always been thinking mobile uh, for the longest time. Uh, my, my background is uh, studied at McGill University. Uh, in electrical engineering and focusing on control systems and automation. And uh, it led to uh, my first job at BlackBerry, uh, working as an embedded GPS engineer. And uh, BlackBerry makes one product, one product only, mobile devices. And GPS itself uh, enables these mobile devices to have, uh, to have a voice, to have an, uh, and a location uh, to be visible. And from there, I transitioned working as a SDK engineer at, at Microsoft, uh, doing a lot of the product and developer evangelism, and also working at Twitter. And then now, um, working at Couchbase, uh, which is a database company, but focusing on mobile. And uh, it's, it's something I think about daily, and uh, it's part of my life. It, it's what I breathe and eat. So love to... Uh, Love to chat and discuss all this stuff uh, here today at, uh, on, on the podcast. Awesome. Yeah. And I just wanted to say that if you want to follow William, uh, you can actually find him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is Sweetie Will. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's a, it's a funny, funny username. But uh, moving on, let's, let's, let's talk about, um, well, so 
What can you tell me about mobile first? Because this is probably the most common one that I hear uh, when I'm out and about. Um, and for anyone on the line who might be listening, uh, they might have the same kind of uh, interest and uh, be curious about it. Sure. I think, I think mobile first resonates uh, in different ways, in different perspectives, uh, depending who you talk with. And for me, uh, primarily when I think, uh, when, when I hear mobile first, uh, it's really taking it from a perspective and a user needs uh, angle on what their uh, experience is going to be. And that means their lifestyle, that means the environment, that means when and where they're going to use um, the application or when they're going to engage uh, through the medium that you yourself are creating or you yourself are talking about. So um, what I mean, let's say more of a concrete example would be uh, a map application. The map application is, is the user going to be primarily on a subway, in a subway? Is, are they going to be using it uh, daily? Are they just going to be using it um, once in a while for specific things? So frequency uh, and also shareability, is this something where it's only a single perspective or multi-perspective, or there's going to be back and forth communication and dialogue or exchange between one user and another user. So mobile first for me uh, really encompasses how the user is going to be engaging on a particular piece of product. And from there, you can kind of branch out to different features or branch out to different uh, levels or priorities of what mobile first really means. Sure. So. Before there was mobile first, um, so what what were we left with? How are we how are we stuck developing applications? Um, and and why why do you feel like this this came about? Sure, I think I think the the idea is I think the idea here is how users have either switched over or slowly engulfed or how they extended from previous or existing experiences. So mobile has always been a, um, a device that has been social. So mobile, if you think of what that means, is uh, it's, it's literally where you are able to be physically movable uh, to, to different locations. So if you think about how phones became mobile when it was tied to a cord, or even before that, when you had to stand in front of a wall and make a dial, then you had these corded phones where it was long cord, and you can maybe you know sit on your bed and talk, right? Um, and then you have these long wires back in the days, this uh, dial-up wires. And then when it became where uh, cell phones came up, um, you, they're not smartphones, but it provided even further extensions and mobilities. Uh, you can maybe go around your house, right? Then maybe you can go in your car and talk in your car. So the, how, how this all happened really was um, all these technology enabled uh, further use cases and further ways of uh, the end user to be more essentially physically detached from an environment. Or have, they have the choice now. To be somewhere else um, and also still engage in that experience and being somewhere else it's new experiences because there's both the physical and also uh, what they are experiencing through the medium sure so so let's go a little deeper into this so uh, we know about um, how the split uh, from wire to wireless is uh, but what about from a development perspective so 
So, for example, uh, when you're developing a user experience, uh, what are considerations that you have to take between uh, mobile first um, and, say, something else? Sure. I think I think one of the key things is if you think about um, where, where 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 we're trying to do here is um, it's an inverse. It's really an inverse process where things are getting smaller, but we're also trying to pack more power, more processing power, more battery life, more everything in a smaller environment. And Moore's Law just keeps on saying, like, what does that ever plateau, right? You ask yourself. And from a development standpoint, now, you as a developer don't have some, somewhat to say infinite resources to work with. Um, so typical, uh, typical developers who have an understanding on embedded systems and processes and understanding how to maximize resources or understand tricks to uh, provide the best, the best experience around those power constraints or technical constraints uh, usually have a, an app that's designed uh, or developed um, with the best interests in mind for these four factors. So I think the difference here to really come to the point is that uh, your your mindset when you develop these apps and, and engage in these designs are uh, very focused, right? Because you don't have lim- you don't have uh, unlimited resources, not even just from the engineering technical, but just when you look at a screen, right? There's different screens, it's different form factors that, and you're gonna convey the concise information in a compelling way, in an engaging way. So even the UX designers um, need to have this consideration then on the background as an engineer or developer, you need to tie those boats and knots up very neatly uh, with all the design that, that uh, part of uh, creating this great experience. So all that, those challenges, but also the fun part of, uh, of being in this space. Sure, awesome. Uh, so. In terms of mobile first, so we, we know a little bit of background on, on mobile first. Uh, I also I went to a, a conference not too long ago, and um, this was this was actually the first time I started hearing about it. Uh, was th- I heard a lot of guys talking about API first, um, which I, I I've been familiar with mobile first, but this this is was a completely new concept to me. It was I, I had no idea people were talking about this. Can you do you know a little bit of background on what this is exactly? Yeah. Um... I, but so the, my my background with uh, with when I hear API first um, was actually started with a very small uh, startup company named Foursquare, and uh, for those who don't know, Foursquare is this location data social um, um, social mobile application that, in my opinion, now really define what a mobile app is. Uh, when applications came out um, early on, they were really extensions. Uh, of existing applications on desktop, or they did not fully utilize what mobile features have. So if you take out, and I'm a bit biased here, being that uh, uh, that I worked as a GPS engineer, is that if you take out a GPS chip, um, or if you don't use the GPS feature on your mobile device inside your application, uh, is your is your application truly mobile? That's the question I ask myself. Um, if you don't, it's fine. It's still a mobile app. 
but for me, it is either an extension of an existing application, or it is an application that is form-fitted to have uh, features and um, whatnot that fit the experience of a form factor that's somewhat smaller. Um, again, it is not uh, an absolute, but when I hear API first, I'm really looking at how you can bring in uh, data and services uh, that exists in other parties, in other uh, areas, and how you can maximize value uh, for your end users, that could be your developers, and that could be the consumers of the data, and how you can basically enrich the experience by providing a service layer that comes back to you as the uh, service offering person um, to enrich the overall uh, product because if you're an API company that's focusing on, for example, Foursquare, uh, they provide a layer, an API service layer that extends beyond their application. So when I hear API first, I really feel like it's a great opportunity for both parties, the app developer, the end users, as well as the service provider uh, to really capture uh, further uh, experiences, further data that in the end um, in the end, will basically provide a greater value for everyone who's in this space. So just to be clear here, so, so with API first, we're going beyond uh, the mobile and desktop computing, and we're, we're taking it into, say, Internet of Things and other devices as well. Is that correct? That's correct. So let, let's use a Foursquare example, because um, I really feel like they were the, one of the first, uh, first groups of uh, people to really think about this of what mobile first is and, and look forward forward into the technology space on what they could offer. So Foursquare being a location uh, check-in uh, application and service eventually provided uh, their data points as an API, an API being here as a layer that other app developers can consume inside their application. So first, before, if you want to use Foursquare services uh, to check in and get the, the latest and greatest data, you have to download and use a Foursquare app. Uh, later on, what they happened was that they opened up their data layer. And if you've made an application, you don't have to now create your own data and, uh, and, and start from scratch. You can basically use Foursquare's data layer, which is really rich in data uh, from users' data uh, and also venue data, venue being it could be a coffee shop uh, and properties, attributes of that coffee shop. So it extends beyond their application, it extends to other developers' applications, but like you said, other platforms and other experiences of like IoT. So the Internet of Things is very interesting because imagine uh, you're walking down the street in New York City and then um, there's beacons that get set off and data that comes in could be like, hey, uh, you know, it's 10 a.m., uh, you haven't checked in or anywhere else before 10 a.m., you might be on your way to breakfast. Uh, so here's some breakfast spots and locations. So those locations, those venue suggestions are actually coming from a service layer, like an API first example, or it could come from Foursquare. So it extends beyond the experience, but now to multi-platform as well. Um, so I find those two are very coupled together. Um, if you think about API first and mobile first are complementary um, on how you approach app development and creating a user experience out of it. So, so let me ask you this, and I, I know neither of us work for these type of companies, 
Uh, but say, for example, you have like a fitness tracking band. Do you think these type of technologies are making use of this API first? Because these these technologies, they don't have screens, but yet they still your data still ends up online. Absolutely. Uh, I think the experience is different. Uh, the data itself is different. Uh, and the data itself uh, is going to convey uh, a, a different set of information. And that different set of information uh, will bring sentiment to the end user. That sentiment could be, oh, I'm doing good for myself. Oh, I'm doing bad for myself. Uh, fitness is very personal. And it's attributed to a uh, feeling of success or uh, the opposite of you're not doing so well in your progress. So it, it also induces an action to the end user. If you're doing well, keep doing it. Or maybe you can take a break. If you're not doing well, maybe you can shape up or uh, reevaluate your goals. So all of this data uh, is not as, well, it's definitely shareable. But it means less to another user uh, when you share fitness data. It's really a personal thing and a personal action that you have to kind of uh, consume and, and encompass. And even though there's no screen, that's definitely fine. There's things like, for example, charts and reports that you can generate from this. Uh, sentiment is great. But semantics is actually even more interesting because if you have the sentiment data, the semantics is making meaning on these data and providing a uh, action plan. So, uh, yeah, um, I have in my fitness thing or my fitness band or the data points has kind of dropped off or tapered off from my you know last two three weeks activities. What's up? What's up, Will? Uh, is there something that changed in your um, daily lifestyle or something happened? So maybe that can prompt uh, a personal coach to uh, give, me a, give me a call or give me an email or give me uh, some motivation. So I think from that perspective, uh, it is different, but it's still definitely API and mobile first. Sure. Uh, that, that all sounds great. Uh, so so now, now I've heard of, say, so... I know recently I, when I started working at Couchbase, this was the first time that I actually heard of this. Um, but uh, I actually do hear people talking about it when I'm out and about. And I know that you can share more information on this as well. Uh, but what, what does it mean when someone says offline first? That's a great question. Um, and working at Couchbase, uh, it, it became, I always knew the importance of offline um, only because being in mobile, if you're completely uh, detached from a network or from Signal, there's no experience. But I never really thought about how, how important offline is and how important offline can be, only because uh, I've always thought like we just need to be dependent on, on a connection. And offline is super important, super interesting, working at Couchbase, especially on Couchbase Mobile, where uh, there's a product for developers and application designers to really now think about how they don't actually need to be connected. They, they can be uh, disconnected and have a full experience because there's a local database that they could uh, persist, store data, and read and write from. And that in itself is very powerful because otherwise content is king uh, for mobile and you basically need to be reliant on uh, content being served from uh, from a cloud service from a server, 
And with an offline database here now, you're able to have a full experience. Uh, let's say I'm in a subway or an airplane because that content can be, uh, can be saved when you are connected in the background. And when you're not, you're just reading off content uh, from your device. So that's very powerful. Um, and offline is really now, I think of it as the first thing I think about when I think about mobile first. Awesome. So, so just to be clear, um, you're saying that offline first is uh, you're developing uh, for the offline experience, uh, assuming that there's no internet connection, right? Because the internet connection may not always be available. I, I, I'm saying that, and yet I'm not. Um, what I mean by this is uh, visiting Korea, uh, Seoul, uh, specifically a major city in Korea, a very technology-first city, um, and their bandwidths are off the charts. And uh, this, is, this is walking down the street, and this is also inside the subways. And um, with all this resource, even the, the best bandwidth out there, um, from a design and engineering standpoint, you still need to be resource-minded. Uh, uh, you be understanding how to maximize your resource and how to uh, provide efficiency for your end user and for your application. It's a system, and you want to create the best efficient system. And offline really is this, in the same sentence as a mobile-first conversation, meaning that uh, you're, you can be dependent on, uh, on a connection, but when you're not uh, connected, you don't have an offering, a service or experience for your end users. Your app is not mobile-first anymore. Mobile-first means mobile all the time, and having mobile all the time means it's available when it's connected, but also it's available when you're not connected. So offline and that ability to store and read data and then push data content upwards to, uh, to the cloud is really part of this whole experience of having the best user experience for your, for your, uh, for your application and for people who consume the app. Awesome. So um, when it comes to application development, at least mobile application development, is it a good idea to, to make use of, of all three of these first plat, uh, tech, uh, practices? Like, or, or would you maybe choose one or the other? Or how, what, what would you do? That's a good question, and it's really subjective to uh, what you want to build and the resources and time constraints that you have with building something. Um, I would say there is no right answer to this, and there's no wrong answer uh, to this. But essentially, what you need to do is delight your users. And the way I see it is having an offline experience is the first and foremost thing. Um, because if you think about it, um, my first, what happens when you buy a phone, right? What happens when you buy a smartphone? The first thing you do is get it set up. Um, and the first thing is, is that you don't have an internet connection. You have to put a SIM card in there or you have to put your uh, password to your uh, local connection to actually get anything. So what happens is that, well, that phone needs to still have uh, applications that work when it's not connected. But that's not the same. That, that doesn't go for all applications, right? So it's very dependent on what you're trying to build. Um, but if you have all three, you're ready for all scenarios. Awesome. So I know you're out and about more than I am. Uh, so do you ever hear anyone talking about any other kind of 
first practice that that maybe I that we didn't talk about already? Uh, one one I hear about a lot uh, is uh, available anywhere. Right? It's not really a first. There's no really first in that sentence. But I think what they're trying to say is uh, just platform agnostic everywhere. And um, it's it's interesting because if you, if you travel to Southeast Asia uh, or in or other places, um, there there is no that there, there's there's that notion is is interesting because it used to be very demographic based, meaning that for example Indonesia is a huge BlackBerry user base. Like you walk down the street, all you see is BlackBerries. And it still is, uh, 10 years ago and 10 years later. But now our, now our digital economy is not demographic-based. It's global-based. So being global-based now, how do you execute a strategy to charter into territories like Indonesia? Do you build an app that's first BlackBerry, mobile first but BlackBerry? Or do you build something that's, you know, agnostic to all the different platforms, right? So that's how come data is so interesting because data is the one bloodline or common denominator across all your platforms. And working at the database company yourself too, uh, Couchbase here, is that uh, you need to store that data somewhere, right? You need to serve that data somewhere. You need to have the best product and uh, best features to provide it to your end user, no matter how they consume it. So a lot of times when I when I hear about mobile first, I also hear about how, well, who's the first group of users going to consume it? How are they going to consume it? Uh, where are they going to consume it? So the platform agnostic conversation comes up a lot, and I don't know if it's a, I don't know honestly how you're able to be truly platform agnostic because there's always going to be a first focus iPhone focus android focus or web focus um so that's an open-ended mindset or conversation i feel like we can have but it's uh it's interesting to see how even global first now is going to still have its different verticals extended from uh, from that so you asked me what are some things that's first global first is something I hear about how we and what global first means is really platform agnostic and that's typical conversations I have. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. Um, so that's kind of all I, I was thinking about when it when it came to all of these first um, approaches and practices. Um, is there anything that you'd like to add uh, before we bring this episode to a close? No, I think I think. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting hap- uh, interesting things happening right now with uh, the data layer, uh, hence API first, and also mobile. And mobile is also getting revisited, right, with the IoT space. Um, mobile itself um, is wearable, could be. It could be something that uh, as simple as a Raspberry Pi server um, that you yourself uh, uh, have been dangling with, I believe. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, so I, I, I love to see how all this kind of blows up and also comes together uh, in the next um, few um, few months and few years that's ahead because the stuff changes really fast. But I think um, one thing to iterate is uh, the, 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 one, the one almighty thing that really doesn't go away is data. With, without data, uh, all of this stuff is just 
empty boxes, right? You, 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 we're, we're creating all these cool boxes, boxes that can fold, boxes that can have different colors, uh, boxes that are portable, boxes that can fly. But when you open a box, you need to have great media content in there. And how do you serve that? How do you save that? Is really the bottom line of how mobile, wearable, IoT, all of it is going to provide that awesome experience that's going to enhance uh, our day in and day out life. Um, I work a lot in coffee shops. I love coffee. And one thing I realized over the years being a, a barista uh, formerly is the play with offline is very, very true. No matter how much we're connected, the best experiences are always offline. And that's in person, human to human, in a group setting and the social setting it's people to people so uh i think i think what i'm trying to say is the offline is very key because that is very personal and it provides the value when you're connected but when you're disconnected it provides you for different set of experiences and uh and values so that's how i see uh in, in my last kind of like thoughts uh on, on on the topic that we have today Awesome. Well, then I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join this podcast episode, and we may do a follow-up in the future. Great. Thanks for having me, Nick. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode and hearing about the perspective of different first approaches from William Hong. Uh, I wanted to add to this a little bit with my own opinions uh, and my own perspective. Although it similarly matches what William had to say, I, I did want to add a few points. Uh, so when it comes to mobile-first um, practices, I figured it might be also useful to share that often mobile first is perceived as designing an application uh, or designing for a mobile screen size before designing for larger screen sizes. Uh, because uh, with, with all of the various mobile devices out there with all the different resolutions um, and then worrying about desktop resolutions, it's often best to do mobile first because if you design for a desktop and then you try to convert it to mobile, well, you've got all this extra stuff on your screen and you have to worry about uh, stripping stuff out. Whereas if you design strictly for mobile first, uh, you, you already cut all of that, I guess you could say dead weight out of your application uh, and then it'll still exist responsively in desktop. Uh, in terms of API first, uh, I also wanted to shed, shed my own opinion on it. Um, again, this it does similarly match what William had to say. Uh, but I just felt it would be a good idea to add a little bit more on it. Um, my opinion of API first is the process of designing an API uh, before you define what it'll be used on. Uh, so for example, uh, maybe you're uh, designing your data layer, uh, you decide what shall be exposed, and then of course at that point you decide what will consume it, and then what can consume it being Internet of Things, mobile, desktop, uh, whatever it may be. If you have questions regarding anything that you heard on today's episode, navigate to thepolyglotdeveloper.com slash podcast hyphen questions. I'll answer these questions on the next episode or a future episode that's relevant to the topics that we discussed here. If you have a business related to web, mobile, or game development and you'd like to get the word out, I do have sponsorship opportunities available. You can find them at thepolyglotdeveloper.com. And if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, there's a link called Advertise. Fill out the form and I will respond to you as soon as possible. 
And that concludes this episode of the Polyglot Developer Podcast.